do it. Well, joining me now with more on that is Eva Cohen. She's a disaster relief expert and founder of Civil Protection Youth Canada. Uh, thank you so much for your time tonight. Hi, nice to meet you. Um, you were you were just to, to begin with the storm where you are in, in in Western Quebec. It was hit as well, wasn't it? Oh yes. Um, unfortunately, there are still lots of households without power. Although it's slowly coming back now, so that's a great relief. What was it? I mean, just how bad a storm was it? My mom's in Ottawa, so she was mentioning that it just kind of hit, and it was a lot more severe than people had anticipated. Indeed, and. One thing that I found quite interesting was that, um, you know, when you say people are getting used to this sort of thing, a lot of people, if they got the alert that there was bad weather coming, didn't necessarily think it was important to act on it, which is really telling, I think. Um, So a lot of people were very unprepared for the damage that occurred with the storm. Interesting, because the first thing I noticed, uh, and I was away, so the first thing I saw on social media was someone complaining about that alert, saying it wasn't needed. You know, are they going to send alerts for everything? And next thing, an hour later, we were reading about this devastating damage. Um, the alert system still needs some work, doesn't it, in terms of both how it's rolled out and and also getting people to pay attention to it? Yes, and, and I think that kind of points to a, a bigger picture problem. You know, it's not just the alert, but it's also that people really still feel that, although we're seeing more and more of those events, that it doesn't necessarily um, apply to them. You know, people feel very safe and um, they don't necessarily feel that they have a role to play in protecting our communities or ourselves in what is to be expected. So everybody seems to realize that climate change is happening and in fact that it's already here and that these events are going to happen more frequently. Uh, But there's still this hesitation in accepting that we all need to do better in anticipating and preparing and responding to them. How do you think that manifested itself? I mean, you, you mentioned people ignoring the warnings, but just in general, um, I mean, it was it was a long weekend, May 24th, that first Victoria Day weekend. People are always out of the weather's good, probably a little more hesitant than usual to head indoors. Um, but how did that manifest itself uh, over, over this weekend in terms of people just not really paying attention to the danger that was either lurking in the sky above them or on their phones? Well, I think part of the problem really is that even though people might have been aware of the danger, they're not ready to deal with the consequences. So if you think of the fact that the government has been telling us for the last decades to have um, a kit and be prepared and have a plan, people still don't do that. Why is that? And so in this situation, we saw this very clearly, you know, a lot of households are very self-sufficient, but then there are so many that aren't. Um, So even the basics of having drinking water at home, you know, and and supplies to last for a little bit, we we could see right away, you know, there were huge lineups at all the fast food chains and people just didn't seem to be prepared for something like this at all. I mean, this is what this is what you advocate for. So the, the work that you do, um, it's obviously it must be somewhat disheartening, but also 
to a certain extent, a challenge, a challenge ahead to try to get people to at least be prepared for, I mean, out here in Victoria, we often talk about earthquake preparedness because it's an earthquake zone. So we have our little kit at home, uh, but it wouldn't last us long. Let's be honest. I don't think any of us are really prepared for the kind of disasters that we see in other parts of the world, for instance. Yes, and I think um, this is where uh, my work really touches on this because I think what we need to do goes way beyond having a kit and having a plan. You know, it's it's this confidence that the government has our back and at one point somebody will come to our rescue, both physically and financially. That That is just no longer adequate. So the work that we're doing really is um, to to basically change people's mindset. And, and this is also why we're focusing on bringing youth um, into this world of um, thinking about disasters and knowing how to protect ourselves. Um, because we've realized that we really need a culture change um, in terms of preparedness. And this whole idea that we all have to do something to be part of how we deal with this goes beyond just having a kit and waiting for this to be over. So if you think of what we're dealing with right now, um, and you've mentioned the the damage everywhere and the destruction and the debris, you know, we have to rethink what we actually mean by response or recovery. And um, as you may have seen uh, on our website, you know, we're, we're clearly taking uh, lessons learned from international best practice into account with our training curriculum and, and with our program as such to say there are so many more capabilities that are actually not integrated into our response system at the moment, technical capabilities that are simply missing um, that have traditionally been part of private sector response, basically, um, but as we're seeing more and more of those devastating incidents and, and the flooding in BC or, or the fire in, in Lytton have been great examples of that, you know, it's, it's a, basically it's a reminder that we can't um, go on the way we're doing it right now. You know, having a kit is just not the solution to, to the problems that we're going to encounter. It certainly seems like trying to put a Band-Aid on a broken leg, doesn't, doesn't it? When you, just have, when you just have your little kit sitting around waiting for, you know, with a couple of days of supplies, maybe a wind-up radio. Um, I want to ask, I'm going to ask you about just how we should be better prepared and what that actually looks like. But just in terms of this last weekend, what did you see that you were impressed by? And what did you see that, that you were not impressed by in terms of the response? Um, as you said, we're just north of Ottawa, so we're in, in Cantley, which is more of a rural area. But uh, I was very impressed um, just after the storm was um, basically dying down. You know, we went out to see what happened. And, and already a lot of um, people had gone out with chainsaws and cleared trees from roads. And that was just so um, heartwarming to see. Um, and, you know, how everybody kind of comes together and, and wants to help. And, and I think, you know, the willingness to help people in need is, is absolutely there. But what I'm still missing is the proactive coordination of that willingness, you know, so we're still too reactive. We're talking about the deadly storm, the devastating storm that ripped through southern Ontario, uh, southwestern, south-central, southeastern Ontario into Quebec over the weekend, uh, caused all kinds of damage. It was a, an intense storm that 
that we haven't really seen much of before uh, called a derecho. Um, it's not something that's particularly common, certainly not something that's never been seen, but just the sheer intensity of it and just how widespread it was. It did damage just about everywhere. So for instance, in a huge city like Ottawa, Ottawa, of course, geographically is just massive. Uh, the city itself has found itself having to clean up all over the place, which of course makes the cleanup and the emergency response slower. Uh, we're talking about emergency preparedness with Eva Cohen. She's a disaster relief expert and founder of uh, Civil Protection Youth Canada. She's uh, speaking with us tonight from Cantley in Quebec, which uh, is in Western Quebec, uh, also an area that was hit by the storm over the weekend. And we've been just talking about uh, having to change attitudes in this country because really when disasters like this are A, frequent and B, widespread, uh, you can't depend on someone to show up at your front door with help um, as much as perhaps we might have been able to in the past. Um, Eva, this is a lesson I learned during the ice storm because I lived through that in Montreal. When when things get really bad, uh, you're pretty much on your own for a while. And uh, it's something you're right. We, we forget it a lot. What advice do you have for people out there about being prepared for for these kinds of incidents, even though you don't expect them? Well, I think in general, we have to rethink a few of those terms you know what does preparedness mean so to me it means being ready to lessen the impact of a disaster not just to be able to sustain a few days longer than others might <laughs> um, so in general i think what we should be doing um, is to come together as society you know so just the same way that um, when you think of the response system or you know the emergency system as such um what is that built for? You know, it's built for emergencies, but not those big disasters. And as you mentioned, you know, just the sheer uh, distance of this storm, uh, you can imagine the damage that that has caused. So who do we think should be cleaning this up? <laughs> who has that capability? You know, who's doing this? Should that be our first responders? Clearly not, because they have other um, priorities and, and they have to be ready for their first response duties. So who whose task is that? We've started and to call so, the military, Eva. You know, that's the other problem. I mean, we're relying on the military to do this work now, which we didn't do in the past. So you're right. There's there's a real lack out there of, of people doing this work or lack of, 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 of people power. Exactly. And then mm. when you think of that, you know, the military should be the federal uh, resort, you know, the last resort. So what else is there between municipal capacity, which is basically first response? Uh, what kind of help is there from the provinces? What capacity is there? There's not much more than emergency management. But then if you think of that, you know, who, who are these emergency managers going to manage? I mean, who, what is the capacity? We don't have that. And with these incidents that we're having now, we're starting to realize that there is a big gap. So to me, the solution is that the government should be enabling citizens to be part of the solution. You know, we need basically a second response force that can help in those incidents, which means that they have to be integrated into the system before things go wrong. Because that is basically, when you think of it, why we call the military, right? Because they're easy to mobilize, they, they have structure, um, they have all the qualities that we need to, to integrate them into the response, but it's not necessarily the, the capabilities that they bring that, that are needed. Um, it's, it, it, this is something that should exist on the local level. 
And when you think of what the private sector usually um, brings to the table in those incidents, which is why recovery usually takes so long, because we have to wait for private sector to take on a lot of those tasks. This is where we're missing the capacity and the capabilities. On the other hand, citizens have a lot of those skills. So as I just said here um, in our neighborhoods too, where you see, you know, people are out with chainsaws right away and want to help and, and can help. But if this is organized in a way that first responders, for example, know early on who is there to help and, and who can do what, you know, and which jobs can they delegate to whom, then the whole response phase will be so much faster and the recovery phase can start so much faster. And then what does that mean, the recovery phase? You know, I mean, as you've, you've said, in BC, you've had all those terrible examples, you know, that mm-hmm. it's usually when the infrastructure is impacted is when things take so much longer to get back to normal or, or you know, to to bring people back into their homes. So that's that's really the big challenge. So this would be basically trying to mobilize people who usually just end up as sort of, not always, because there's lots of people out there who do lots of good work every time there's an emergency, uh, but basically mobilizing the population to be more useful or at least more more of an asset during these disasters as opposed to simply waiting for help to arrive. Exactly. And useful is one one aspect, but the other is reliability, right? I mean, you have the whole liability issue if you just have volunteers come out and help. So there is a clear role for the government to enable people to to actually take on that role and and be part of of the solution. Eva Cohen, um, I, I, I gather we're going to be needing we're going to be having this conversation more often because it doesn't feel like these weather events are going to lessen anytime soon. Uh, fascinating to talk to you, and it seems like a great idea. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Thank you for your interest.